0: This is a Saddleback Church Podcast. The book of Proverbs starts by saying, of the Proverbs, their purpose is to teach people wisdom and discipline, to help them understand the insights of the wise. Their purpose is to teach people to live disciplined and successful lives, to help them do what is right, just, and fair. I don't know about you, but I could use some help in how to live a disciplined and successful life. That sounds good to me. And this is what the wisdom literature of the Bible is all about. God offering wisdom to us on how to live well the life that he created for you. Now, my guest today is Dr. Dan Estes, distinguished professor of Old Testament at Cedarville University. Now today, uh, Dan and I talk about the beauty found in the biblical wisdom literature, how to read these books, where true wisdom comes from, and much more. My name is Jason Whelan, and this is Doable Discipleship, Saddleback Church podcast, part of the Saddleback family of podcasts. Now, my conversation with Dr. Dan Estes. all right dr dan estes thank you so much for joining me today as we're getting ready to talk about navigating the wisdom literature let us dive right in we've started every episode talk, um of this series just asking you to set the stage for us. So when we're talking about the wisdom literature, what can you tell us about the, the basic information that everybody needs to know before they dive into these books? So what can you tell us about authors, timeframes, any basic important details that would be helpful to kind of give people their bearings?
1: Well, Jason, the wisdom books in the Old Testament are, are many times the forgotten books. Uh, We're familiar with the law, uh, where God laid out the commandments that he had for his people of Israel. We're familiar with the prophets. The prophets were kind of the covenant enforcers who called the nation back to the law uh, after they had gotten away from it. Uh, We're familiar with the Psalms, the songs of Israel. But the wisdom literature, uh, people don't know quite what to do with that. (laughs) Uh, We're talking about the books of Proverbs, Ecclesiastes, Job, Um, Song of Songs actually fits in there as well. Mm. And then we can also find a wisdom, several wisdom psalms, and we can find it in a lot of other places in the Old Testament and then over into the New Testament as well. Uh, Wisdom is really talking about skill in living Mm. in God's ordered world. How do we live in this world? Uh, The law is talking about um, moral requirements that God has for his people. But there are a lot of things that the law just doesn't address, uh, like how to work mm-hmm. and uh, how to relate to other people and how to be able to get along in various contexts of life. What it do you do with, with the difficult questions of life mm. when things just don't seem to be fair or just? And that's where wisdom takes us. Uh, ironically, these are the questions that we find ourselves asking a lot, yeah. and yet, we don't often go to the books of wisdom where God has given answers to those really crucial questions.
0: Yeah. That's a great reminder of like, we have these books that, that were specifically as we're thinking about that time, as we're thinking about the old Testament time, we have the books of the law and then we have, you, you just have this, this long history of Israel. And we think about the new Testament often today we can look at, at how Jesus was teaching. We can look at the parables. we we can look at these different ways to, you know, learn how to live, or we look at Paul's letters where he's he's telling the church how to act in different ways. But we can think of this wisdom literature as this was God providing wisdom on how to live in the Old Testament, and, and it still rings true. There's it still carries through. There isn't anything necessarily, you know, untrue <laughs> that remains. But it's good to see that that we had that God was giving wisdom on how to live. You know, back from the Old Testament, and then we see it carry through through the new.
1: That's right. Uh, It particularly develops uh, from the time of Solomon on.
0: Yeah.
1: Uh, We know from from First Kings chapter three through five that that Solomon was was specially gifted uh, by the Lord with wisdom. Mm -hmm. And uh, we see in the end of chapter three of First Kings that that wisdom uh, was born out in his ability to make good judgments we have the the example there of the, of the two mothers yeah. who were disputing uh, which baby belongs to which and uh, and he had the wisdom to be able to make uh, that judgment but then at the end of chapter 4 we see that that his wisdom also went out uh, in his observation of nature mm. uh, all sorts of things trees and plants and animals and and all sorts of things and from that it says that that he developed 3000 proverbs mm. uh we have something like five hundred to nine hundred, depending upon whether you count individual verses <laughs> sure. or, or collections of verses <laughs> in the Book of Proverbs. But there are many other things that that Solomon also saw. And then, as we come to to chapter twenty-five of Proverbs, we see that that there are some additional proverbs that the that the men of Hezekiah, mm-hmm. which would have been about three hundred years uh, after uh, Solomon, uh, they copied out, and that indicates that that these these proverbs were were put into collections that were passed down from generation to generation. Uh, and and then they were taught and and uh, and then other uh, proverbs were added. And uh, so over a period of time, we have this collection of wisdom that that we now have in the book of Proverbs.
0: So what can you tell us? So it it sounds like specifically on Proverbs, there's, as you said, almost like a 300-year gap between where sections of it were written and, and it was compiled. And then for Ecclesiastes, for the first part of Proverbs, for Song of Songs, that was written by solomon so that was written in solomon's day so i'm setting the time frame here and then the one that we haven't really touched on yet is job so what can you tell us about job
1: well job is a that's an amazing book that it just absolutely amazing Uh, anyone who studied world literature would put job right up in the top three Mm -hmm. or four uh pieces of literature it it is so well constructed and it's dealing with such huge themes Um, and what what job is doing it's it's picking up uh, a theme that you do find in proverbs but it's not the majority position in proverbs in proverbs the the largest uh, single theme we find is what we call retribution that says that there are two paths humans can take they can take the path of wisdom which corresponds to what God says is righteous, and that path leads to life in all of its dimensions. Not just talking about going to heaven when you die, but, mm-hmm. but the good life, the way, way God intended life to, to function. And then there's the, the second path, which is the path of folly, uh, which is evidenced by wickedness or deviation from, from God's standards, and that leads to death in all of its dimensions. Mm. And the signpost that differentiates between those two paths is the fear of the Lord. It's reverence for God, uh, which Proverbs 9.10 says is the beginning of wisdom, or literally it's the essence of wisdom. It's, it's right at the heart of, of all wisdom. And and what Proverbs teaches primarily is that in many different ways in life, if you follow the wise path, that will produce the good life. If you follow the foolish path, that'll lead to to death or the or the the antithesis of the of good life. But it also points out the fact that sometimes that doesn't work out that way. Mm. And that minority voice then is picked up in, in both Job and Ecclesiastes. And it becomes the the major theme where both of these books are testing, okay, what happens when, for example, with Job, you have a man who God himself says he is a wise man. He is righteous in all of his ways. He turns away from evil. He's keeping all the rules, and yet his life absolutely falls apart. Mm -hmm. Uh, Total calamity. And so how do you explain that when he seems to be following the wise path and ends up with death? Uh, Or what do you do with a man uh, like, like the speaker in Ecclesiastes, where he seems to have everything that speaks of life? I mean, he's got it all. And yet he has this this horrible angst inside that something terribly is wrong and what's going on here. And both of those books end up where the majority position of Proverbs is Mm -hmm. that God will break things right at the end. Job ends up there, Ecclesiastes ends up there. Um, But on the way, they are dealing with those hard questions that, that keep us awake at night. Why do bad things happen to good people? And why do good things happen to bad people? Mm. Uh, and, and you see both sides of that in, in the wisdom literature. And all of that is wisdom. It's not that Proverbs is wisdom, and then somehow Job and Ecclesiastes are anti-wisdom. Yeah. No, you have to take it all together as God's wisdom. Uh, sometimes we refer to, to Proverbs as, as traditional wisdom, and Job and Ecclesiastes as speculative wisdom. Mm. But they're both wisdom. Yeah. It's just they have a different emphasis.
0: Yeah no I I I I'm so, I'm so glad that you were able to clarify that for our listeners cuz cuz a lot of people as you said would hear the book of proverbs they see that as the book of wisdom and it's a bunch of sayings generally and you're just in and it's just, it's just little almost uh things that you would find in a fortune cookie little platitudes on how to live well and in and so people say oh well well that's that's God's wisdom for me that's great but but you might miss what you it was so eloquently laid out from Job and Ecclesiastes is also wisdom. So putting these things together and seeing this grander picture of what God is giving to us as wisdom, how to think about how to live. And as you said, it, it, it poses these big questions of why do bad things happen to good people? Why do good things happen to bad people? And so on and so forth. Along with just answering all these other questions about how to live, It's it's such a, it's it's important to see the whole context of what God is offering in terms of wisdom, specifically in this case in the Old Testament, and to take it as as a whole. It's a whole big pie. If you just eat the little bits of the pie, you're, you know, getting little little tastes here and there, but you don't get the whole big picture. It's more like a a big old gumbo or like a big old stew. If you're just taking the little bits of the veggies here and there, that that's good. It's going to, it's going to, it's going to help you get some nutrition, but you got to eat the whole of the stew. If you want the full flavor.
1: (laughs) Well said. (laughs) I don't know
0: if any of your students have compared the wisdom literature to stew, but there you go. (laughs) (laughs) So (laughs) I, 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 I want to step back and look at the cultural context. So, so what can you help um, our listeners understand about the cultural context in which these books were being written, and how does knowing this impact or influence our reading of it today?
1: Yeah, Jason, I think the the most prominent indicator of the cultural context is uh, particularly in the first nine chapters of Proverbs, where ten times. You have the the speaker. We can call him the sage, the wise man, uh, who is speaking to his son. He says, "My, hear my son," and uh, and then when you look at at the different kinds of examples that he uses, it's evident that his son is is right on the cusp of adulthood. Uh, He's ready to step into adult responsibilities because. The, the the father, the teacher, the sage, is warning him about. Okay, make sure you avoid the foolish woman, and make sure you get attracted to the wise woman. And th- that's a that's a powerful uh, set of of um, of contrast for a young man. Uh, he's talking about you know how do you speak well, uh, how do you work well, uh, watch out about being a, a sluggard, uh, and, and all the the various things that. That he's presenting to this young man indicates that that's the the primary uh, reader. Uh, more generally, he's talking to the youth, uh, and and the youth here is used in a sense that this is a person who their life isn't set in concrete right now. Um, they they can still go various ways. Uh, I teach for undergraduate students, and this is so relevant for them, because that's exactly where they are in life. Uh, everything's on the table. You know, they're trying to decide their major, their career, their mate, uh, you know, their own personal commitment to the Lord, uh, where they're going to, what they're going to do the rest of their life. And, uh, and so teaching wisdom to them is teaching to the kind of people that are really in view. And, and the young women I teach they can easily make the transfer, even though it says, here, my son, they can they take, they can go hear my daughter sure. and they can, they realize it's not that hard to, uh, to, to apply it to them. Um, and so even though we don't know exactly when this was, was written
0: yeah.
1: yet, the, the primary intended audience is the young. Mm. And that's what makes it so applicable 3000 years later, mm. because yeah. we still have parents and teachers and mentors who are trying to influence the next generation, to help them to be able to get on the path of the Lord, to anticipate what's coming down that path, uh, and encouraging them to stay on that path over the long haul.
0: I'm so glad that that you gave that emphasis on, uh, it, it, because if we're talking about this idea of of wisdom on how to live, right? As you said, it, it's a it, it's like a parent whose kids are growing up and you're teaching them and you're trying to offer them this wisdom on what life is like and and how to live well and these are universal truths that still remain so everything that we read from this wisdom literature if you think about it as God the Father, as your father saying, "Hear my here, my child, look at at what I have for you I, I I created this life. I created the universe with you in mind, and it is my deep it's my deep desire for you to live this life that I have gifted you well. and here's how to do that. And it's just it it helps to see these books as as almost. The, the, we like to say that the Bible is God's love letter to us, but these books of wisdom in particular, it's almost like this letter where God gets to sit down and say, "Here's, here are some things for you to think about on, on, on how to live well in, in this world that I've created with you in mind. And I just, I, for, for you listening, if you've never read the wisdom literature, approaching it this way, saying like, oh, there's something that, there's things that God wants to tell me and how to, live life, uh, I can look at it this way and it just opens your mind and opens your heart to in, in, in a deeper way to what the Holy Spirit is going to reveal and illuminate to you as you read these books.
1: Jason, what you say is so important that we need to remember that this isn't just human wisdom, you know, good counsels from a well-meaning uncle. <laughs> this is God's inspired word. This is what he caused people like Solomon to write because he wanted us to know this. And so it isn't just, oh, Solomon, he said that, oh, that's nice, now this is God speaking through this writer, just like uh, Peter talks about how how holy men of God spoke as they were moved along by the Holy Spirit, so it's it's God's inspired word. And, and that's what makes it truthful, that's what makes it so important. Um, we have to read it that way.
0: We were talking a little bit before we started recording about Solomon himself, and I think it, sounds, it seems like a good time to bring this up here. So can you tell us a little bit about what we can learn from Solomon himself. It's as we said, it's important to emphasize this is God's inspired word, that the Bible is God's inspired word and he uses people like Solomon to write it. So yes, wisdom came from Solomon's pen, but it doesn't mean that Solomon necessarily lived the best life <laughs> even so. So what can you tell us about the story and the lessons of Solomon?
1: Well, Jason, I think it, it really goes to a a larger question. And that is, how do we view the human writers of the books of the Bible? And, and how does that affect how we accept what they have written? Uh, think, for example, of David. He's a man after God's own heart. He also a man who had tremendous flaws. Mm-hmm. And, uh, and yet, those songs that he penned uh, are songs that we hold to now as the Word of God. Not just, oh, David, you know, he wrote this. Maybe this was a good day. Maybe this was a bad day. No, <laughs> it's God worked with a flawed man because we're all flawed.
0: Yeah.
1: Same thing with with Solomon. Um, Solomon uh, in the historical books, uh, in First Kings uh, and and in Second Chronicles, is presented both as the uh, the parade example of wisdom, and also the example of folly. I mean, you you look at him and you think, how could this man? that was so wise, make such horrible decisions. He, he made some really terrible decisions. Now, that doesn't mean that we just kind of take or leave what he wrote. He was writing under the inspiration of the Holy Spirit because the Holy Spirit using humans is having to use flawed people. Mm-hmm. And yet, even though Solomon didn't live as well as what he wrote, what he wrote has wisdom in it yeah and so we have to be careful that that we don't let his life turn us off and say oh well we, we can't believe <laughs> anything he said no the holy spirit was was working through him in ways that went beyond his own um moral rectitude and uh, and and has given us this wonderful treasure of, of these wisdom books
0: yeah it's almost like a do what i say not what i do t- t- <laughs> type of thing in some cases <laughs> So no, I think, well, every, every okay. parent knows that dynamic. <laughs> yes, yeah. you know? yeah, so I can, I can, I, I can think of some cases if myself, but, but it's, it, it's so, so, so that's important to remember anything that you read about Solomon's life. It, 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 if you dive into it and you come away saying, saying, oh, why would I listen to that guy? you need to step back and remind yourself that as a as a believer as a follower of Christ we believe that this that the bible is inspired by god that as you said god uses flawed people to to deliver his divine message and that is still true in solomon's case so god wanted us to have these books he wanted us to have hmm, Proverbs, Ecclesiastes, um, a Song of Songs, and so forth, and and he knew all the baggage that came with Solomon. The choices that Solomon made were not a surprise to God, and he still chose to use that individual in that time. And we still read his, you know, these words thousands of years later, knowing that that they come from God and he used Solomon to write it. So, it's an important to remember that.
1: Yes, we, we don't we don't value these books because we trust Solomon. We value these books because we trust the Lord. Yeah. And and it's 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 God's word, not Solomon's word.
0: Great reminder. We talked a little bit earlier about about some themes. I, I wanted to give you a chance to share with us um, some any other key themes that people should be thinking of or have on their mind as they approach reading these books are are there specific themes that serve reading proverbs better versus job or ecclesiastes or is there a general theme for wisdom literature that is that is worth talking about too
1: yeah well with with um with proverbs it's really talking about how to live a life that honors god and therefore is able to enjoy life as he intended it to be, and it's going. It, it touches on lots and lots of different areas of life. Uh, sometimes, um, sometimes the proverbs are going to make use of observations from the physical world, mm-hmm. uh, where, for example, the uh, the father says to the son, uh, "Go to the ant, observe her ways, and become wise," and, and then he's he. He uh, juxtaposes with that uh, the opposite, which is the, the sluggard, who <laughs> you know is is looking for all sorts of reasons not to get started on his job, and like the opposite of the ant. And through that, he's pointing to the importance of diligence in life. Uh, if you aren't going to be diligent, you're not going to be able to, to be successful. Um, and so those are the types of things that we have. He talks a lot about you know selecting the right mate. He talks a lot about speaking well uh, and the opposite, how not to speak well. He talks a lot about making good decisions or the other side, you know, what's involved in making poor decisions. These are the kinds of things that that we come back to again and again, that they are kind of the warp and woof of, of life. And it's where sometimes there are small things, but a lot of things ride on those decisions we make. When we come to Job, Job. Um, Job is particularly uh, looking at the question of what happens when, when life just doesn't go the way that it seemed like Proverbs was telling us it would go. Uh, what happens when bad things happen to good people? Now, a lot of times people, when they look at Job, uh, get focused on the why question. Why was Job suffering? And that's really what Job and his friends were, were asking. But as you go through Job, you come to realize at the end that why is not the proper question. The real question is who? Mm. Who is the Lord? And can I trust him even when I don't understand what he's doing? And at the end of the book, in chapter 42, Job says, you know, I thought before I understood you, but now I realize how little I understand about you and and your ways. And therefore, I retract all of my complaints and, and, and I just... I realize I'm just dust and ashes, I'm just mortal, and I defer to you, and I trust you. And, and that is a huge lesson for us to grasp, because there are so many times in life when we don't understand why things are happening. It doesn't seem to make sense to us at all, and then we're, we're pushed back to right, right to where Job was. Who is God, and can I trust him with all my questions? And the answer, of course, is yes, I can.
0: Yeah.
1: And we come to Ecclesiastes. Ecclesiastes sets up a, um, a, a case. Uh, it asks in, in chapter 1, verse 3, uh, is it possible for humans, by their own labor, to achieve a profit in life under the sun? Now, the word profit is an accounting term. It says, uh, when I take all the things I've been able to accomplish... And those are my credits. And then I subtract all the costs it takes to get there. Those are my debits. Then what's the bottom line? Is it a positive figure or a negative figure? Because if it's a negative figure, that's not a good investment in life. And and then what happens, we have for uh, you know, most of the book, we have the writer examining all sorts of things in life that people say, oh, if you go down this path, You're going to find life there. You're going to find a prophet there. And he comes back, said, I've been down to the end of the road and the bridge is out. Don't go there. (laughs) And he goes again and again. And finally, at the end of the book, chapter 12, he says, now, remember your creator in the days of your youth. Mm -hmm. He's talking to the young person still. He says, I'm speaking as the voice of experience. I've searched all those things. And as Bono would say, still haven't found what I'm looking for. (laughs) And yet, yet there is something there. And there's two things. He says, in the here and now, God has sprinkled his blessings into our lives as joys that he wants us to grasp. He calls those portions. Mm-hmm. They aren't prophets, but they're portions. And so he says, eat and drink and be joyful. Enjoy the work that God's given you during these days. Don't try to turn them into a prophet, but enjoy them as positive benefits they're blessings mm. and then he says at the very end of the book what's the end of the whole matter fear god and keep his commandments mm-hmm. now that's the message of proverbs the fear of the lord's beginning wisdom and then he goes and he says because god will bring every act into into judgment whether it's good or bad he says people trying to live under the sun that is leaving god out of the picture who's above the sun and leaving the eternal out of the picture, which is beyond the sun, just living for the here and now, and this sounds very familiar in our culture today, you're not going to be able to find a prophet. But in the here and now, you can savor the blessings God gives. You can grasp those portions. And also, you can know that beyond the sun, after death, God is going to make things right. He is going to bless those. Who have feared him, and so it be, ends up being a very positive message, even though most people perceive Ecclesiastes <laughs> as a negative message.
0: Yeah, yeah, just wah 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 over and over again.
1: <laughs> but I, I, but it, the song the songs does it song, yeah. has a very positive message. It if you look at at Proverbs five, there's a, a passage there uh, toward the end of Proverbs five that uses the same language as what we find in Song of Songs 4. And I think what it's indicating is that Song of Songs is intended to be a wisdom book where it's like they put the pause button on rejoicing in your wife. Mm -hmm. And what God does there is he gives us this marvelous song extolling love and intimacy the way that God intended it to be. Mm. And it shows the progression of that, the first three chapters Leading up to marriage, we have the, the wedding scene in in chapter four, and then the last half of the book is not just, and they lived happily ever after, yeah. but it's how they continue to grow in intimacy until in chapter eight, they are an aged couple looking back, reminiscing on how God had worked in their lives through this whole time. Mm. I'm finding that more and more precious. My wife and I are going to be celebrating our 50th anniversary next year, ah. and we have lived that book yeah. and seen, every time I teach it to my students, I can see that's where I used to be and that's where we used to be and, and this is where we are. And I can share with these college students, I can remember when I was a college student just falling in love mm-hmm. and where I was early in those chapters and songs and all the things that are there and it rings true to life and how doing it God's way, doing it the wise way, it leads to... a. a a, a quality of intimacy beyond anything that our world can give and beyond anything that we can imagine or, or make happen ourselves and so there's another wonderful wisdom book that is is rarely examined uh yeah. it, it's just one of those things that i think parents sometimes hope their teenagers <laughs> don't see that that book's in the bible yeah they enough. gotta skip
0: past it <laughs> I, I get that
1: <laughs> But it's one of those that is just such a precious book for, for relationships and moving in, into the kind of intimacy God wants us to
0: enjoy. Well, and hearing you describe each of these books, it really just highlights for me what marvelous intention God put in giving us these books and how each book kind of, it, 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 how there's this flow for the life that we live. We go through life asking these questions about about all different aspects and elements of life. And God responds to many of those in Proverbs. We find ourselves Dealing with trials and tribulations and we may be crying out to God, God, what are you doing? Like Job and God, God responds in one of my favorite parts of the Bible where God responds, I'm sorry, were you there when I was creating the heavens and the earth? (laughs) And just in that, that reminder of that, of God's. um, the mystery of god and in and, and just in putting ourselves in place and know, and seeing that God is greater and higher above all things, and we and, but even, even in so he loves us so much and is for us, and he is with us even despite, even in the midst of all sorts of struggle and hardship, and then we get into Ecclesiastes and we find ourselves at, you know, just just wrestling with what feels like the futility of life. And sometimes we find ourselves in this place. Is everything meaningless? Is everything, you know, like, what is it all for? And yet we see this response of, even though I may be struggling and I may not understand and I may be confused, I I, I know what is true is to obey God and to follow His words. And I can bring myself back to this truth, even if I find myself wrestling. And then as you s- so well laid out from song of songs is this whole picture of love and intimacy and how that can look through the course of life. And so I just, I love when you examine the entirety of wisdom literature, how it feels like it just hits so well, all of these different pockets and places in life and that no matter where you are or what you're going through, there is something that God is, has there to speak to you in. And I, I find that so beautiful.
1: I often think, as I, as I work with the wisdom literature, that of what Jesus said in John 10, where he said, I've, I've come that you might have life, you might yeah. have it more abundantly. Mm-hmm. And I think sometimes we think, oh, he's saying that after you die, you're going to have eternal life, and won't that be a wonderful thing? But that life that we have in Christ is a life that begins now. Yes. And just as a parent wouldn't say, oh, Sometime in the future, you're going to get my inheritance, and then you're going to be happy. He said, "No, I want to have a relationship with you. I want to want your life to be rich now. Uh, I want let's 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 do this together. Or you're having a tough time. Let's talk about it. Let me be there to comfort you and encourage you. And that's how the wisdom literature is. Mm-hmm. It's not the promise of what's going to come in the future. It's it's how God wants us to enjoy the life He has for us today." Because the eternal life God gives to us is not something that just starts in the future. It starts now. We have eternal life. And the wisdom literature talks about some of the dimensions of that right here and now. Not something to be postponed to the future, but something that we can enjoy today.
0: I'm so glad that you brought up John 10.10 because that is somewhat of a theme verse for this podcast and it, because everything that we're talking about with doable discipleship is about how to live now and that God has called us to, as you said to to, uh, to this abundant life and that in that he he says there is more for you if you follow my my word, and you follow my ways, and you grow into the likeness of my son, that is a abundant life now. And I love that we can see how the wisdom literature points to that. Are there, are there other places in the New Testament that we see the wisdom literature play out in or is there anything specifically um, about the new testament that is helpful for us if people have never read the wisdom literature and they were about to embark on this fun journey is there anything that is helpful to keep in mind about maybe something that they have read from the bible into this this place that they maybe haven't read yet
1: um, wisdom shows up a number of times uh, in the new testament uh, we can think, for example, of the of the Epistle of James, uh, a lot of wisdom, language, and themes in that book. Um, Paul talks about wisdom in first Corinthians one, talks about it in in Ephesians, in Colossians. Um, but I think the the preeminent example of wisdom is Jesus Christ, uh, the way he teaches with parables and with um, proverbial sayings these these kind yeah. of bumper sticker things that he says that just kind of people just kind of whoa <laughs> uh, uh, that's that's wisdom written all over it or even the two ways jesus talked about how there's the broad way that leads to destruction that's mm-hmm. the way of folly there's the narrow way that leads to life that's the way of wisdom and and so jesus is the the premier wisdom teacher uh, the premier sage and uh, and and so it it just it links so well with the Old Testament.
0: Yes, so so that's a great reminder for people. If you, if you are reading the New Testament right now, I know at saddleback. Uh, currently, we're in the middle of this series where we are reading through the New Testament altogether as a church. So, if if you are from Saddleback and you're listening to this and you're in the middle of the New Testament, keep that in mind. Look for these places that that are pointing back to this idea of wisdom, and maybe even doing a, a direct callbacks to places from Proverbs or from other places in the wisdom literature. So, keep that in mind. Um, Dr. Atasi, I want to. Th- Thank you for your time. Before I let you go, I wanted to give you an opportunity to kind of, you know, just share any sort of encouragement or advice about the wisdom literature that anything that you haven't covered yet. I wanted to just kind of lob up to you. One final home run swing here. What would you like people to know who are listening to this, who are listening to this podcast called Navigating the Bible, the Wisdom Literature? What would you like them to leave this conversation with?
1: Well, I think that what I would say, Jason, is that the prevailing metaphor for life in the wisdom books is the way or the path, the road. And what you find again and again throughout the wisdom books is challenging us to learn and to live and to love God's way. Uh, it's, It's all three of those are important. We need to know about it. We need to do it, but we need to love it. We need to value it. We need to make it, it needs to really, not just be out on the circumference of our lives, but in the center of our lives so that it really drives all that we do. And, uh, that's what i find as i study and as i write and as i teach uh, on the wisdom literature again and again it's calling me back to that that threefold response to learn it to live it to love it Uh, it's god's way for life it's the good way and it's the life that god wants me to enjoy
0: thank you so much for your time i truly appreciate the conversation
1: well thanks for the privilege
0: Now, let's look at some next steps out of this episode. First, Dr. Estes has many books on the wisdom literature, including The Message of Wisdom. I encourage you to check that one out. I've I put the link to it in the show notes here. So if you want to hear Dr. Estes go even deeper on how we can read the wisdom literature, check out that book. Second, I want you to try something. Try reading a proverb Every morning for the next know, week, month, however long you can. I know people who start their day with a psalm and a proverb. And I'm only asking you to do the proverb now, but you can add the psalm too if you'd like to. But but try that out and just see what it is like to get a, a dose of wisdom in your life every morning. Third just enjoy reading these books that we talked about today, right? Proverbs, Job, Ecclesiastes, Song of Songs. There's some of my favorite book, my favorite passages are found in these books. So I just, I hope that you enjoy reading these books, maybe in a new way after hearing this conversation. I want to thank my guest today, Dr. Dan Estes. My name is Jason. This has been Doable Discipleship, a Salabek Church podcast. We'll be back with you again next week. to visit saddleback.com doable to check out all of our previous episodes and go to saddleback.com grow to find spiritual growth resources and view a calendar of upcoming events lastly you can always get in touch with us by emailing maturity at saddleback.com send us your thoughts send us your questions your bible questions your life questions whatever who knows your question might just inspire an upcoming episode Thanks again for tuning in to Doable Discipleship. I'm Jason Whelan, and I hope you'll join us again next week.